The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am in the midst of a series titled The Power of Intention, Exploring the Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. I'm breaking down the book, The Power of Intention, which is a fabulous book, and this is the fourth episode on it. So right now I'm in chapter two. The last episode, I only did an introduction really to chapter two, but now we're going to drill down into the chapter and pull out these spiritual nuggets. So chapter two is the seven faces of intention. So today I'm going to cover the seven faces of intention as taught by Dr. Wayne Dyer. So we can get a better understanding of how spirit moves as he writes it in this book. Obviously it's not absolute. What really matters is this, as he is studying material, spiritual materials and doing his own spiritual work, this was his revelation. Now, here's the thing. You can study spiritual work like this, do your own spiritual work, and get your own revelations. So this is a stepping stone, not gospel truth that has to be written down and, you know, and, and put in stone on pyramids. What it is is a guide. It's sort of like Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. When Bruce Lee told the little boy at the Shaolin Temple, it's like a finger pointing at the moon. If you concentrate on the finger, you miss all the heavenly glory. What's actually happening right now with this book or any of these type of spiritual self-help books uh, is their fingers pointing at something greater, pointing at this power of intention, spirit, God, divine mind, mind, universal intention, whatever it is. I want you to be mindful that it's telling you that you're one with, you're connected to, you're the divine expression of this one presence and one power that we call God. All right. So on page 24, he starts the seven faces of intention. And the first intention is called the face of creativity, the face of creativity. And what this looks like is he, he wrote, the first of the seven faces of intention is the creative expression of the power of intention that is designed, that designed us, got us here and created an environment that's compatible with our needs. 
All right. So he's saying that this creative power is the, the first part of what he's calling the seven faces of intention uh, or the attributes of intention. So he goes on to write. Why do I include that the life-giving power of intention intends us to have life and have it in increasing abundance? Because if the opposite were true, life as we know it couldn't come into form. So we know that this power is creative. We know that this power is life-giving. We know that this power is expansive because we exist. Because creation exists. Because we can go from uh, at the physical level, not talking about metaphysics, at the physical level, we can go from, you know, a sperm cell and ovarian egg clashing that will develop in the womb of, of a woman that gives birth to an infant. And if everything goes right, that collision of a sperm cell and an ovarian egg will turn into a full-grown adult. Life is expansive. Life exists. Life is creative. Life is a mystery. This is a part of it. So he wrote, the very fact that we can breathe and experience life has proved to me that the nature of the life-giving spirit is creative at its core. This may seem obvious to you, or in fact, it may appear confusing or irrelevant, but what is clear is you are here in your physical body. There was a time when you were an embryo before that, a seed and before that formless energy, that formless energy contained intention, which brought you from nowhere to now here at the very highest levels of awareness intention started you on the path toward your destiny the face of creativity intends you toward the continued creativity to create and co-create anything that you direct your power of intention towards creative energy is a part of you it originates in the life-giving spirit that it intends you so when i read this i thought of a few things one something I quoted on the last episode, the Universal Foundation for Better Living's first statement of faith, which is, we believe that it is God's will that every individual on the face of this earth should live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. That's talking about the power of intention. But I also thought about a statement from the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, who used to say, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. That's very powerful. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. So that's us using the power of intention. I'm the thinker. I think the thought, the thinking of the thought is connected to the power. So because I'm and you, you and I are created from creativity, we have creative capacity. And we have to know that because. What's true about God is true about me. What's true about God is true about you. Why? Because if God is spirit and I am spirit, then I have the same spiritual attributes of my creator, of my source. Now, that might be lofty for you to accept, and that's fine. 
but just think about it as a possibility. If God is life, I am life. If God is love, I am love. If God is power, I'm power. If God is wisdom, I am wisdom. If God is substance, I am substance. Because I'm the image and likeness of God. Now, the second face is the face of kindness. All right. So he wrote, any power that has as its inherent nature, the need to create and convert energy into physical form must also be a kindly power. Again, I'm deducing this from the opposite. If the all-giving power of intention had at its core the desire to be unkind uh, or any of that stuff, then it would show up in expression. The moment unkind energy became formed, the life-giving spirit would be destroyed. Instead, the power of intention has a face of kindness. It is a kind energy intended, excuse me, intending what is creating to flourish and grow and to be happy and fulfilled. Our existence is proof to me of the kindness of intention. Choosing to be kind is a choice to have the power of intention active in your life. So I look at kindness from the standpoint of love. Love, which we're going to deal with shortly. But I think kindness is an aspect of love. It's an attribute of love. The thing about it was was interesting to me when he's talking about God is kind. It's one of the things that's that's funny is because so many people have punitive God, the smackdown God, as I like to call it, like Santa Claus checking the list, checking it twice, trying to find out who's been naughty or nice. So it's very challenging for us to accept the possibility that God intends good for me all the time. God wills good for me all the time, but am I in alignment with the intention or the will of God for my individual experience? Because sometimes that intention requires growth. I'm a big believer that the dream, the vision, the big picture is not for the now you, it's for the potential you. You have to grow into it. So when you get the vision from spirit, when you get the idea, when you get the dream, it calls you up to be a bigger and better version of yourself. We know that acts of kindness do all different types of things to the body. It makes the body uh, respond to it. He wrote it this way. The positive effects of kindness on the immune system and on the increased production of serotonin in the brain has been proven in research studies. Serotonin is a naturally occurring substance in the body that makes us feel more comfortable, peaceful, and blissful. In fact, the role of most antidepressants is to stimulate the production of serotonin chemically, helping to ease depression. Research has shown that a simple act of kindness directed toward another improves the functioning of the immune system and stimulates the production of serotonin in both the recipient of kindness and the person extending kindness. Now, I want you to really hear what they're saying. It doesn't make a difference if you're the giver or the receiver of kindness. It stimulates your brain to release serotonin, which is good for your health, in your body. So literally by being kind or receiving kindness, you actually make your health better. That should give us a clue. 
Because when we're stressed and angry and frustrated, that does different things to our bodies that are not necessarily helpful to our bodies. So this face of kindness gives us an opportunity to see how we were created. We were created to be kind. And, you know, one of the things that's, you know, with all the things that go on in the world, you know, and the crime and the drama and trauma and wars and murder and things of that nature, it gets people to believe that they're not kind people left in the world. But I believe that there are still way more kind people, but we don't necessarily promote the kindness that we need in a way that we need to like, okay, we need to make kindness cool. One of the things, you know, especially, you know, you should see this more with males, uh, but I'm even seeing it now with girls, you know, one of what, and women, I have a friend of mine who she works at the, at the, um, the jail for the County. And She's saying that now the, the ladies are as tough as the guys coming into jail. We have to make kindness cool. Not I'm I'm tough. I'm rough. I'll beat you up. I'm aggressive. I'm alpha. I'm this, that, and the other. I'm not saying that don't, you know, that you don't need to be on your business and handle what you need to handle. But I don't mean you have to be rude, inconsiderate, mean, disrespectful, or manipulative. Because one of the faces of intention is kindness. Because when we're kind, our bodies respond in a productive and positive way. When somebody else receives an act of kindness, their bodies respond in a productive way, a healthy way. So Wayne Dyer wrote, when you're unkind, you're blocking the face of kindness. You're moving away from the power of intention. No matter whether you call it God, spirit, source, or intention, be aware that unkind thoughts weaken and kind thoughts strengthen your connection. Creativity and kindness are two of the seven faces of intention. That should really land. That should really land. How kind am I, first of all, to myself and then to others? And I'm a big believer in random acts of kindness. Just random acts of kindness. Hey, let me take you out to lunch. Hey, I was thinking about you. Let's go to lunch. My treat. Hey, you know, I was, I was in the store and I saw this and I thought about you. I know you like this. Hey, I was stopping by anyway. Um, here's some flowers. I saw, I know you like flowers in, you know, in your kitchen or whatever. I don't know. Random acts of kindness. It could be a lot of stuff. Hey, I was in the store and I saw a gift card for a restaurant. I know you like to go to, I'm just going to pick up this. I just bought this gift card because I thought you might, when I mean, you got a down moment, want to, might want to go grab something to eat and, you know, and here's something for your significant other or your mama or your, or your dad or whatever. Why don't you all just go grab a quick little meal on me? Random acts of kindness, because here's the thing. Maybe this is why spiritual teachers throughout the years have taught that you can't outgive God. This is why Jesus said, give and you will receive, press down, shaken together, 
and running over. Now, there's some historical context to that statement that I'm not going to get to, but get to the give and you will receive, not receive and give. Give and receive. Give and receive. And then go from there. So, going back to it. The next one is the face of love. The face of love. That's the... We're doing the seven faces of intention. He wrote. The third of the seven faces of intention is the face of love, that there is a life giving nature inherent in the power of intention is an irrefutable conclusion. What would we name this quality that encourages, enhances, and supports all of life, if not love? It is the prime moving power of the universal spirit of intent. As Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, love is our highest word and synonym for God. Matter of fact, in scripture, it actually says God is love. It literally says that. It also says, how can you say you love God you have not seen and, uh, and, hate, your, uh, and hate your brother and sister that you do see? Because those early writers understood that you can't talk the God talk without talking the love talk they go together they're connected in ways that cannot be disconnected you can't talk god and still start talking about all this stuff about anger and revenge and eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and getting back at someone and all of this stuff that people come up with because god is love i would challenge anybody go read the the 13th chapter of the of 1 Corinthians. It's beautiful. The Apostle Paul wrote how love works. Just go read it. The first, first Corinthians chapter 13 and just allow yourself to absorb what it, what it looks like and what that means from a standpoint of love because when you get this understanding, of love, then you'll get that when you focus on love, you will you will express more God. I'm just gonna give you just a quick little read. I'm not gonna read all of it. This is just part of First Corinthians chapter 13. I'm gonna start with verse four. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And I'm just going to stop there. You can read the rest of it. It's 13 full verses and all of them are good. Give yourself the opportunity to study love. All right. So Wayne Dyer wrote, the energy field of intention is pure loving result, pure love resulting in a nurturing and totally cooperative environment. Now I'm going to read that again because I don't want you to miss it. The energy field of intention is pure love resulting in a nurturing and totally 
cooperative environment. Now, love creates the space to where he says judgment, anger, hate, fear, or prejudice can't thrive in that in the presence of love. He went on to write. When we are not in harmony with the energy of love, we've moved away from intention and weakened our ability to activate intention through the expression of love. For example, if you're not doing what you love and loving what you do, your power of intention is weakened. This is why chasing your dreams, finding out the things that satisfy your soul, doing things that you enjoy, having fun, laughing, being around loved ones in harmony. It's so powerful because it's the face of love. The face of love aligns you with the power. And when you're out of alignment with it, it takes away from you. It weakens you. He went on to write, thoughts and emotions are pure energy. Some higher and faster than others. I've taught that a million times on this podcast already in various episodes. When higher energies occupy the same field as lower energies, the lower energies convert to higher energies. In other words, when you meet love, when love meets hate, love, when you allow it, will absorb it. He says it this way. Hate converts to love when the energy of love is present. Excuse me, is in its presence. When you can get to the space to where you choose to be love. When you choose, notice what I'm saying. When you choose to be love. It doesn't make a difference what other people are bringing bringing to you or doing around you. And believe it or not, to you, because you recognize that Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And you know that a thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Step into the face of love. If you don't know how to do it, just start affirming every day. Get up in the morning and just sit still, pray and breathe, even if you're still laying in the bed. Father, God. God, Holy Spirit, power of intention, divine mind, Christ, I am, whatever term you like to use. Love through me as me today. God, love through me as me today. God, love through me as me today. God, allow me to see with the eyes of love. God, allow me to hear with the ears of love. God, allow me to speak with the mouth of love. God, allow me to act with the hands of love. See how that works? It's saying, okay, I might not know how to love like God uh, is seeking to love through me because I'm so in my own way. So I have to consistently go back and Surrender moment by moment, moment by moment, moment by moment, and it builds up on itself brick by brick like a house. 
to the point to where you can really surrender and allow love to show up as you. Does that mean you'll never get angry, never get frustrated, never get anxious, anxious, never get scared? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is your love increases. That other stuff will decrease. Why? Because as scripture says in 1 John chapter 4, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So I'm looking at my timeline, and I think I'm just going to take a quick pause on the show And we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm in the midst again of teaching chapter two of the book, Power of Intention. I'm teaching the seven faces of intention. And now I'm going to number four, the face of beauty. The face of beauty. He wrote, the fourth of my seven faces of intention is the face of beauty. What else could a creative, kind, and loving expression be other than beautiful? Why would the organizing intelligence of intention ever elect to manifest into form anything that is repugnant to itself? Obviously, it wouldn't. So we can conclude that the nature of intention has an internal interaction of love and beauty and, the, and add the expression of beauty to the face of a creative, kind, loving power of intention. All right. So he wrote, quoting, uh, uh, John Keats, beauty is truth and truth is beauty. And Wayne Dyer went on to write. So I agree with Keats that we need to silently know that that truth and beauty are one and the same. Now, here's the thing. We love beautiful things. I can remember years ago, um, I went to California with some of the ministers at Christ Universal Temple. And we went to Michael Beckwith's Revelation Conference. I can't remember if it was 2000 nine maybe and a couple of ministers and i believe it was reverend fred randall 
And uh, at the time, another staff minister was no longer on our uh, staff. She's at another church, uh, Reverend Linda Oglesby. And we went to the John Getty Museum up in the mountains up in California. I think it's near Malibu. And I was just amazed at the beauty of the place. I didn't want to leave. I was like, this place is so beautiful. It's so peaceful. Um, It's hard to explain just how beautiful the place is. You have to go yourself. But I just remember being up in those mountains. My cell phone signal wasn't working. I didn't really care. I wanted to stay there as long as I possibly could. I probably would have stayed longer if I was driving, but Reverend Randall was driving the car. I And I'm not saying he was rushing me by no stretch of the imagination. We stayed there for about three hours. And it probably wasn't three hours of stuff to see. I don't, but the beauty of the place just got me in a space. We love beauty. And I think that's a part of the intention of creation is the creative process of God is to create beauty in our space. And I'm not talking about the human, you think somebody's more attractive than somebody else. And look, you have a right to like what you like. I have a right to like what I like, regardless of somebody else's opinion. But I'm talking about beauty beyond that. And Wayne Dyer takes it another level and he starts talking about beautiful thoughts. He wrote it this way, page 27. In order to grasp the significance of beauty as one of the faces of intention, remember this. Beautiful thoughts build a beautiful soul. As you become receptive to seeing and feeling beauty around you, you become you are becoming attuned to the creative power of intention within everything in the natural world, including yourself. By choosing, now notice what he wrote. By choosing to see beauty in everything, even a person who was born into poverty and ignorance and will will be, excuse me, by choosing to see beauty in everything, even a person who was born into poverty and ignorance will be able to experience the power of intention. So in other words, uh, I like to use Eric Butterworth's statement. My job is in life is not to set it right, it's to see it right. Now, you can set it right when you see it right, but you try to set it right before you see it right. Now you're fighting against something instead of beholding the wholeness that is seeking to emerge, that's seeking expression, that's seeking to manifest itself. This power of intention is always present, trying to show up as beauty in your space. Have you ever gone to somebody's home and it was so junky that you just weren't comfortable because it was just, it was disorganized, it was junky, it was, you know, Sometimes homes are nasty. And no other way for me to say that. I, I try not to stay in them. You know, the homes are nasty. The bathrooms are worse. It's time to go. It's time to go. Because, you know, I can remember, you know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, telling my dad it was somebody's home. I'm not going to mention on, on a podcast. And uh, he wanted to go over there. And I said, no, dad, I want to go over there. The house is nasty and they, <laughs> they have roaches. I remember saying that to him as a kid. He just looked at me. I was like, I don't want to go over there. And he didn't take me. Uh, you know, he had to respect that 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 level of disorganization wasn't good for my soul. I didn't, it wasn't beauty. So why do I want to be around it? Now, if I have if I've been led in the spirit to go in to, to be a transformative agent in something that is broken to help it get itself together, then that's one thing. Well, why am I putting myself in situations and circumstances where thinking beautiful thoughts is going to be a little bit harder than it needs to be? That's all I'm going to say about that. But I will say this. 
Always remember that you control your mind, regardless of what goes on around you. He quoted Mother Teresa on page 28. He said, I love the way Mother Teresa described this quality when she was asked. What do you do every day in the streets of Calcutta at your mission? She responded, every day I see Jesus Christ in all of his distressing disguises. So all the people she was seeing, she was seeing the face of Jesus in every last person, no matter what they were going through. That's love. That's beauty. That's the power of intention. That's grace. All right. Number five is the face of expansion. The face of expansion. All right. So it went on to uh, state, he wrote, the elemental nature of life is to increase and seek more and more expression. If we could sharply focus on the face of intention, we'd be startled. I imagine that one of the faces we see is a, is a continuously expanding expression of the power of intention. The nature of this creative spirit is always operating so as to expand. Spirit is a forming power. Spirit is a forming power. Spirit is a forming power. It has the principle of increase, meaning that life continues to expand toward more life. I believe this is why human beings always want to express more. It's built in us. That doesn't have to expand destructively. It can expand creatively. But we always want the next best thing. Okay, we got a, a car that works to make a better car, a better car, a better car, a better plane, a better plane, a better phone. Now cell phone, now better cell phone, now better, now smartphones, now better smartphones. And it'll go on and on and on and on. We want to watch movies. You know, uh, you know, I remember as a kid when people had Betamax, uh, then they had VHSs, then they had uh, laser discs and then DVDs. And now everything is streaming. Better, better, better. Not just streaming in your home but streaming on your phone because desire is the upward impulse of spirit. So you get the desire to push you. This is the face of expansion. Desire is God tapping at the door of your soul, seeking to expand, express these new and great and wonderful ideas of plenty in our lives. Are you ready to grow? Because here's the thing. You can't be in alignment with spirit and not grow. If you're not growing, that's telling you how much out of alignment with spirit you are. Because spirit is about expansion. Desire is the onward and upward impulse of spirit. So you should be growing. If you have the same problems you had five years ago, then that tells you that in those aspects where you have those same problems, you have not grown. Because even if I took it from a quote unquote, a statement I wouldn't use, but you know, people say new levels, new devils. If you look at it as, as I grow, I end up having new opportunities for growth, new challenges, new opportunities. Yes, because in your expansion, it requires a different and more aspects of who you are. If you, if you can't handle what, you couldn't handle 10 years ago. You haven't grown. That's the face that I'm talking about, the face of expansion. He wrote, the power of intention is the power to expand and increase all aspects of your life. Now, here's the thing. When you don't grow through your subconscious, you will start to draw experiences to you 
that will help your soul grow and and deal with aspects of your soul that are weaker. You don't get out of life standing still. And when you can't grow any longer, the body will lay itself down and the soul will move on to his new experience in God. Because you have to grow. All right. Number six is the face of unlimited abundance. The sixth face of intention is the expression of something that has no boundaries. It is everywhere at once and is endlessly abundant. It is not just huge. It never stops. The marvelous gift of abundance is what you were created from. Does you too share in the expression in this expression? You do, I'm butchering words today. Does you too share this in the expression of your life? <clears throat> You're actually fulfilling the law of abundance. So let me go on. He says, from time of your earliest memory, you were probably taught to think in terms of limitation. My property starts here. Yours over there. We build fences to mark our boundaries and so on and so on. Those are distinctions. When we look at from a standpoint of spirit, there are no boundaries. That doesn't mean you get to go take somebody else's stuff. It means that there's limited capacity to get your stuff. What all this means is there are no limits to our potential as people, as collective entities, and as individuals. The face of abundance absolute has absolutely no limits. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. God is the source of my supply. Everything else is a channel. I am one with the abundance of God right now. I'm in tune with the abundance of God right now because prosperity is my birthright. I'm supposed to have it. I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm supposed to have abundance. I'm supposed to have overflowing blessings. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My cup runneth over. The cup is for my stuff. The running over is the overabundance. To spare and to share. My cup runs over. It's a consciousness. It's a consciousness that I'm talking about. You have to look at it. You know, um, I, I, you know, I love to tell the story of uh, Reverend Coleman when she hired a uh, back in the day in the 70s when she hired a new comptroller, Dr. Walter Robinson. He would talk about uh, tell this story when he first joined the church as an employee. He was already on the board and a member of the church. And he said that uh, Reverend Coleman had to fly somewhere quick. I think it was St. Louis. And that's like a 45-minute hour flight for her and a couple other people. So he got the tickets, brought them to her office. And she said, Walter, these tickets aren't first class. And he said, well, Reverend Coleman, it's just a quick flight. We're just going there, handling business and coming back. And she said to him, Walter, it's not where you sit. It's where you think. Johnny Coleman had decided that 
she was an abundant child of God and everything she did was first class. She lived first class. She drove first class. She flew first class. She ate first class. She dressed first class. And she so ingrained it in her mind that she refused to accept anything else. Now, I'm not telling you to, to do anything unwise because you have to have that consciousness in real time. Because if not, it turns into champagne taste and beer money. But you build the awareness up of that. How does she do it? She would talk about how she would tell people, eat on your best china for yourself. Don't wait for guests. Wear your best clothes. Put them on, even if you ain't going nowhere. If you want to go to some restaurant, take yourself out to eat. Put your best clothes on. Take yourself to do what you got to do. It was her way. She would talk, walk around with big purses. She was able with no money on them, but she wanted to feel prosperous. Remember, feeling is the blessing. So developing this prosperity consciousness was a part of what she sought to teach us. She would say stuff. You know, one of her friends, she would call one of her friends, Reverend Dr. Raymond Charles Barker, a lot. But she would say, money is God in action. That didn't mean that money was God. Literally, what it meant was money was God's good, God's prosperity, God's abundance in action in your life. When you understand abundance transcends what we call physical money, that abundance is actually a consciousness, that abundance is a universal intention, then you will start dealing with prosperity from a higher level. All right, the last of the seven faces is the face of receptivity. He wrote it this way. The receptive face of intention means to me that all of nature is waiting to be called into action. We only need to be willing to recognize and receive. Intention can't respond to you if you fail to recognize it. So where you recognize and realize spirit, spirit then recognizes and realizes what you need to sustain, maintain, and prosper in life. The universal resources are available. H.M. Katie talks about this in the chapter Faith and Lessons and Truth. If you go back in my podcast, you'll bump into it. But she talks about demand and supply. We say supply and demand, but it's demand and supply. You have to make a demand on the substance of God for the supply. There is no supply without demand. And the demand is made in consciousness first. Because you have to form it and shape it in mind. You have to see it in faith. You have to hold it in consciousness. You have to believe that it is true. You have to be convinced and convicted that it is yours now. You have to stand on it. That's what I mean by that. Intention cannot respond to you if you fail to recognize it. He went on to write, simply put, to be unreceptive is to deny yourself access to the power of intention. So you have to be receptive as you want the universe to be receptive to you. So he wrote, I am in harmony with the power of intention of intention of the universal creative force. This works in so many different ways. You'll see the right people magically appearing in your life, your body healing. And if it's it's something you want, you'll even discover yourself becoming a better dancer, car player, or athlete. The field of intention allows everything to emanate into form and its unlimited potential is built into all that has manifested 
even before its initial birth pangs were being expressed. So he gives us a couple of quick things to work on. First of all is on page, starts on page 32, visualize the power of intention. And you can read the details of how to do that. But start thinking about these five faces of love, even if you're just affirming the words. Then he says, be reflective. Okay. Uh, and start thinking about what are you reflecting? Are you reflecting the five faces of intention? Be reflective. Think about it and then be reflective of that which you are seeking to demonstrate in your life. Number three, expect beauty. I love that. Expect. Expectation is a form of prayer. So start expecting good, expecting better, expecting wholeness. Number four, meditate on appreciation. I'm a big believer that appreciation, thanksgiving, praise increases things in your life, world, and affairs. He wrote it this way. The power of intention responds to your appreciation of it. This is why in the Bible, they have a whole book called Psalms that are just songs to God. God God doesn't need to be flattered. When you praise, you raise your consciousness. You're not changing God. You're changing yourself. Number five, banish doubt. When doubt is banished, abundance flourishes and anything is possible. If you doubt your ability to create the life you intend, then you are refusing the power of intention. So I want you to just work with these options. Next week, we're going to start with chapter three, connecting to intention and work with it from there. It's a lot more material to understand. I appreciate you all following me on this new format. We're going to work this stuff. We're going to learn this stuff. And we're going to demonstrate this good in our lives because we're going to be open and receptive to how spirit wants to show up in us, through us, as each one of us. Thank you all for following me again with 10 years plus now, 10 years going into 11. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.